Hi, this is Rachel on Recover. We've got special guest, Carissa. She's here to tell us a little bit about herself, and then she's going to um, answer some questions for us. Hey there. Yeah, so my name is Carissa Brim, and uh, I like to describe myself as a storyteller. Um, Yeah, I think that the stories of our lives are really important, but a lot of times, Um, The ones that have the biggest impact on us are the ones that go unspoken. So I am a writer and podcaster. And so I use those forums, um, yeah, as a a place to help others feel that they're not alone um, and others impacted by trauma, namely sexual assault, to move from disconnection to connection. So, All right, let's get into some of these questions. Um, Do you feel like your childhood groomed you to be sexually assaulted as an adult? Yeah, that's such a good question because, you know, when you're processing your trauma and what happened to you, very rarely are you seeing the full ecosystem of how you even got to, you know, having been a part of that experience. So for me, um, you know, like many of your other guests and probably people who listen as well, um, religion was an element of my upbringing. And so, um, you know, I was... I observed a narrative and I was in some cases directly given a narrative that, um, you know, as a woman in the church, I was to kind of defer to the, the man and, um, yeah, just be as accommodating as possible. (laughs) And so, uh, I really didn't know how to say no. Um, which of course is a really important key, like skill to have in life, but especially when it comes to consent, um, you know, I just wanted to be a really accommodating person. And, um, you know, I was, I was aware of the phrase, no means no, as a form of consent. Um, but, you know, I couldn't even say no to people that I cared about or who cared about me, <laughs> you know? So I think um, it, it was really unfair. Um, it's an unfair expectation that we put on other people that, um, when you're in a potentially dangerous situation or when there's an, um, a power dynamic at play, it's not always as easy to just, um, you know, say no and navigate the situation um, like you would hope you'd be able to. So, you know, I think it was um, stepping back and realizing that consent is actually, it should be yes means yes, you know, <laughs> um, that when we uh, go through life assuming that no means no is, you know, the appropriate narrative of consent that implies that the assumption is that yes is the baseline. And so I think that that is very much, you know, how, how I grew up as a kid, you know, I was available and um, wanted to help and wanted to make other people, you know, feel however they wanted to feel. And so, um, those elements definitely carried through into my young adulthood. Okay. Um, what have you done for recovery? Yeah, you know, I've tried, um, a couple different things, you know, therapy obviously has been really helpful (laughs) for, for me. Um, but I think, you know, there's multiple types of therapy. Um, and for a while talk therapy was really helpful to just, kind of get a lay of the land, you know, what, what I was dealing with, what, um, what had happened, you know, just like putting words to your experience can be so powerful. Um, 
but eventually I ended, I ended up doing some EMDR therapy and, uh, that has been really helpful because, um, you know, in talk therapy, you, it's, um, very easy to intellectualize your feelings and convert feelings and emotions into words. And that's just what I naturally do. <laughs> and so I needed help, um, kind of stopping that, um, consistent dialogue and letting my body process what it needed to and kind of take the reins in terms of, um, leading me in my healing journey. So that was really impactful and, um, paved the way for me to be able to, um, actually read about trauma recovery without being triggered out the wazoo <laughs> and, um, to write and find my words, um, which ult- ultimately has led me to safe community, which has been really helpful in my recovery. Yeah. There are a couple of books that, um, I don't know if you've ever read the courage to heal. Um, it's got good stuff in it, but it's, you know, you just have to skip over some things I would say in some of the books. Cause you're like, I don't really need to read that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading the, um, the body keeps the score, which has been hugely helpful, but you know, I got like, I think 23 pages in and I was like, wow, this book is going to change my life. And I like dog-eared the page and then I didn't pick it up for another year and a half. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I can't engage with this, you know, um, this full on. So it's helpful to kind of partner that with therapy. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I used to sometimes get read, get headaches and stuff. Cause I was doing my, mm-hmm. uh, research project in grad school on incest recovery and there'd be times I'd lay in bed for three days because it just the stuff was just so heavy and so emotionally draining yes absolutely that's real that's a real part of it um what have you seen help other people recover in similar situations to yours yeah I think in in a word I would say acknowledgement um just being able to acknowledge for yourself what has happened. Um, you know, we find a thousand different ways to tell ourselves that what happened wasn't, you know, didn't have an impact or wasn't as bad as someone else's experience or, um, you know, maybe it's not even what I think it is. You know, we just, I think it's our brain trying to be a little bit protective, trying to shield us from, you know, some of the the truth of the horror of what has happened. But, um, you know, it's when we believe the, the narratives that it wasn't that bad or we should be over it by now, we disqualify ourselves from healing. And so, you know, when I see others who are, um, you know, charting their own healing journey, I think there always comes that moment where you're, you know, it's, it's terrifying, but when you finally acknowledge yeah, this is what happened to me and it had an impact. I think that really frees you up um, to find the help that you need, you know? And so I've seen that be really helpful to others in my situation and and also to me personally. Um, How has this impacted your community? Yeah, you know, I think um, I spent a lot of my adult life uh, working in hotels and so I was dealing with customer service quite a bit and if there's anything I can say, it's that we are a traumatized group of people. (laughs) So if I can just like zoom up to bird's eye view, um, you know, we, our community at large is impacted by this. There are so many people who are carrying, you know, sexual traumas, of course, and, and other traumas as well. And 
so we're just trauma responsing <laughs> all over each other. Um, and it just makes things really chaotic. It makes relationships challenging to understand. It makes our relationship with ourselves confusing because we're, you know, trying to get feedback from others. Um, and it's, yeah, hard. But I think when you look around, um, it's it's easy to think that you're the only one. And so when you think you're the only one who's experienced something, um, it's very easy to disconnect and to isolate. And, um, you know, that's, that's where shame gets us. And as a community, um, if we're all doing that to a certain degree, it, it leads to a lot of people living life and trying to navigate these really nuanced and complicated parts of life on their own. And, you know, I think from if I can speak to like my specific community in the immediate aftermath of, you know, my assault, it was, I would like to just use that word chaos again. It was really confusing for me to figure out what was going on. It was confusing for others to figure it out and um, ultimately led to a lot of disconnection and a lot of loss. So I think that's unfortunately, you know, a lot of times the trauma itself is horrible, of course, but the response in community is sometimes the the most challenging thing to to sort through almost definitely um so many people i know struggle with that especially with some of the um clergy abuse and things i mean that's Mm. yeah i know it's bad enough when it's like not somebody of the cloth, but when it is somebody of the cloth, it just mm. makes it so much worse. Absolutely. Well, and you know that, so my um, assault wasn't um, clergy abuse, but I did go through all of this while I was um, attending a, a Christian Bible college. And, you know, it, um, yeah, it was very, um, it was very cognitively dissonant <laughs> to have experienced that and then be in a community where um, I, cu- I didn't feel like I could be honest about the circumstances leading up to my assault. You know, I was drinking and I was around, you know, others who were like in a more promiscuous headspace and all of those would have been like big no-nos, <laughs> you know? And so, um you know, in, in talking about what happened to me, it was, um, hard not to feel a sense of blame, you know, like, well, yeah, that's what happens when you're like out in the world. And I don't know, I think it's human nature to try to other people who bring to the table something that could be threatening to you. You know, if you acknowledge the threat, you have to acknowledge it for yourself too. And that can be really confronting for people. Yeah. Well, and you know, what is it? The meme, you know, what's not what she wears or what she's doing or, you know, Mm -hmm. a rapist is Mm -hmm. completely responsible for their actions. Yes, exactly. I think, you know, you know, somebody who went to a Christian college and had, you know, her adults assaults happen in that environment. Um, There's Mm -hmm. just this, like they shove this purity thing down your throat and and it's just like (laughs) you know if even if it's not consensual you're you know Mm -hmm. you're you know you're having sex but it's not consensual so technically it's rape and 
especially if it's like a date mm-hmm. rape thing. There's just mm-hmm. so much shame in that. That I feel like even in yeah. like a lot of people in our situations, they can't even identify as rape until somebody tells mm-hmm. them that's rape. Absolutely. I don't know how many Absolutely. times. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, because I just you can go. <laughs> um, because I just feel like there's just there's no nobody talks about it or teaches girls what consent is in youth group. Yeah. Nobody talks about what consent is. They'll tell you don't have sex, yeah. but they don't tell you men can right. force themselves on you, and that's not okay. Or fight, flight, or freeze, yeah, exactly. or you know. It, yes, you know. yes, that. And I just find that horrendous. And you're like, oh, be pure, but we don't care that you're, you know, somebody forced themselves on you. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. when it happens, exactly. they're like, well, it's his future. What about my future? How many years of therapy am I going to have to live through? And all the treatments am I going to have to endure to have my life back? Exactly. Exactly. Because it is so just interwoven with shame. And I think as you've just so eloquently put words to like when you're in a religious setting and you're dealing with sexual trauma, the shame is just like off the charts. And so of course you're not talking about it. So no one else is talking about it. And so there is not a clear understanding of the impact that it actually has. (laughs) And so there's this sort of like grin and bear it, I guess we'll just pretend like nothing happened or that I'm okay. But meanwhile, your entire nervous system has been rebooted, right? Like you don't move through the world in the same way that you used to. And yeah, that's a huge repercussion to have to figure out. And it's not as overt as what would be the punishment for the person committing the crime and so it seems like it's more impactful for them and it's just very it's very confusing to sort through all those narratives because it's so obviously unfair (laughs) I mean I would like to get a group together to create a curriculum for like youth groups to talk about consent Mm. and what that means yes um yes so girls aren't oh I totally agree you know because I mean it's online but are they talking about it in youth group? I mean, I have been to youth group in a long time because, you know, I'm in my 30s. But right. <laughs> right. And I don't know if some, unfortunately, that's and I don't know if anybody else has thought about doing that. But I think I may talk to some people and maybe that should be my next, you know, after I finish my book or maybe I'll do this in correlation to my book is to write a curriculum for those of us mm-hmm. who I mean, especially since, unfortunately, the church is so patriarchal or uh, Mm -hmm. that they don't even understand this concept. Well, some of them are starting to, but. Yeah, yeah. There's so many layers to it, right? It's like if we're given this understanding that, first of all, men are the only sexual beings and that they are just like ticking time bombs, (laughs) like who have to have, you know, certain needs met, whatever. I even hate like the phrasing of that because it's just like, so yeah, whatever. It's just, it's not a helpful phrase for anyone. Right. 
And then you have women who are obviously sexual beings as well, but not allowed to be and very much chastised if they like even dip their toe (laughs) in that conversation. And so then you teach women that, I mean, you don't even teach it like to your point, right? You're not even talking about consent. And so the assumption is that like the average man is automatically objectifying you and it's up to you to stop that. That just puts all of the emphasis on the woman to be the one um, stopping an unhealthy sexual chemistry like happening, you know? And meanwhile, men are not being taught that it's their responsibility. You know, it's, it's like, it's telling women that they have the complete, um, it's their responsibility, but they have no real power to change the dynamic. And that's so that in and of itself is traumatizing (laughs) to move through the world, having that pressure. Yeah, no, I, like, cause I, I mean, looking back in my situation, I think I found that the most frustrating thing. Cause I mean, I was, you know, I was in youth group. I read a lot of Christian dating books. Nobody talked to me about consent. They said, just don't have sex. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so exactly. Um, yeah. I find that just beyond frustrating and infuriating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because then there's also nothing, there's no resources for, okay, so you've had sex, whether it was consensual or not. Now what? You know, it's like, well, you're, you're just, you're out of the fold, <laughs> you know, which keeps people from talking about th- things that they need to talk about to find help, you know, which is the real tragedy. Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah. How has this impacted your dating life? Yeah. So, you know, in the, I'm presently married, but in the aftermath, I could describe it as having kind of like a dating before the assault and dating after the assault. So dating before the assault, it was very tidy, very vanilla, very like culturally Christian dating, (laughs) you know? And um, after the fact, I was a lot more reckless and I had no idea what the heck was happening. (laughs) So, you know, I think, first of all, I had no baseline understanding of trauma, trauma responses, what rape even really was like as it plays out in the real world. And, um, you know, all I know is that afterwards my behavior changed dramatically And, you know, years later, I would come across a term in a textbook (laughs) that was like, hey, this is called reenactment. You know, it's a it can be a really common response to sexual trauma where you're essentially trying to regain control or some sense of power over what happened to you by um, recreating uh, similar settings and and kind of navigating through it on your own terms. And so without even knowing that's what I was doing, that's what I was doing. And so I was, um, yeah, just like very promiscuous. And so not only was that unnerving because I had no idea what the heck I was doing or why, but also it seemed to confirm to me that what had happened to me wasn't actually sexual assault. Um, because I think I had absorbed a narrative that like, if I had experienced sexual trauma, then I would hate sex and be, um, like distance myself from it. And so the fact that I was doing the opposite felt like evidence that I hadn't been traumatized. And, um, you know, that made things very confusing for me. Um, 
and I, I hear that narrative a lot. Well, and have Warden, you ever you know? read any of Dan Allender's books, um, The Wounded Heart or Healing of the Wounded Heart? Um, it talks about the party girl. Yeah. yeah. I love Allender. He's got some really good mm-hmm. stuff. But no, mm-hmm. I mean, I almost felt like yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Like, well, I almost I felt like I lost my voice. Yeah. Like you go and it's not even like that yes. you want sex. You just it's like right. you become a robot and you have lost inability, like the ability to mm-hmm. say no. Yeah, God, that's so true. I really appreciate you putting those words to it because it did. It felt like I was just this almost like a train just like off the track. You know, how, who's stopping this? No one. Right. Like I'm just doing this. And yeah, I think in hindsight, it became more clear just how much it was almost like a power move of some sort um, and how checked out of the actual sexual experience I was the entire time without even realizing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I think I used to describe it as like sexual autism. I'm not even Mm, sure if that would be the right word, but just, you know, inability to Mm -hmm. like, you know, instead of having inability to socialize, having the inability to have healthy sexual encounters. Yes. Yes. And, and having a difficult time picking up on the cues between the two, you know, like what's dangerous, what's okay. What is a good decision? What's a bad, it just felt, I, I didn't know how to like register yeah, that. Cause you don't see the signs. They're just, it just, mm-hmm. all of those fall away. I don't know if it's, and it's probably a fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Cause I'm sure on some level, if you, if you are able to recognize the signs, you have to be able to acknowledge um, kind of the, the, the parts that you either weren't able to see when you're experiencing the trauma or the things that you did and you just push through like that takes a lot of healing to get to a place where you can even look at those parts of yourself, you know? And so I think that's a lot of why those things fall in the blind spot because healing wise, like you can't even access that, that piece of it yet. No, most definitely. Thanks, and always subscribe.